We want to be our best, feel our best and live our best. But achieving our best isn't as cut and dry as do fitness, eat good, get results, happy. To find joy, good health, balance and contentment, we need to show valour. This is valour. Valour is courage. Courage to face challenges, to endure, to struggle, to be exposed to all of your vulnerabilities and to face it all without any certainty of the outcome. On the Valor Podcast, we share the methods, strategies, and ideas that can help us all achieve our very best. This is Valor. Hey all, today I'm chatting with Katie Varekovic. She is a wonderful, wonderful human, uh, the better half, definitely the better half uh, of her and her, her husband, Chris. Chris, one of our members and also past guests chatting about myotherapy, injuries, rehab, all that sort of fun fitness-related stuff. Today with Katie, we chat about her bipolar disorder and all the nuts and bolts that go along with uh, a mental health disorder. So we chat about stigma. We provide a greater understanding of what bipolar is from her perspective and what she's gone through in her life, um, the ups and downs, um, the main purposes to help maybe shed a better light on not just bipolar, but mental health disorders in general and help people understand what kind of impact both positive and or negative they can have on a person's life uh, if, if we stigmatize or if we sort of leave that person in the lurch or if we provide support and care and, and are there to listen and, and be there for them. Really great takeaways. I think super helpful for anyone that really has no idea about mental health disorders and maybe knows people or has friends that are dealing with some stuff beyond just the the typical, are you okay? We take things a little further and there's a lot of great learning in here. So here we go. Here's Katie. Uh, Absolutely wonderful chat. Couldn't be more grateful for having her on here. Um, I think it takes a lot of, of courage to be able to share these things. So thanks so much, Katie. You are a gun. Here we go. This is Valor. Okay, welcome back to the Valor podcast. It's been a few weeks. We took a little break over Christmas and New Year, um, but I'm excited to get back into it and kick off the second half of this season. Katie, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm really good. It's good to... Often we record at the gym, so it's nice to just be kicking back at my house. We've got therapy dogs with us. <laughs> I don't belong in that place. <laughs> we could have recorded there, but I felt like you'd be more comfy hanging out here. With my dogs? Yeah. Yeah, we've got Haver and Yeezy here. Every time I sit out this back area on this couch, usually both of them jump up on this couch and give me cuddles, especially when I'm watching a lecture or something. It's lovely. Actually, it's quite calming, especially I feel like it'd be good for a podcast chat if you've never done a podcast. Yeah. You can kind of just pat the dogs and it just kind of like... Relaxes you. Yeah. Therapy dogs. Yeah. Beautiful. We're just talking about um the movie Puss in Boots that's just come out. If anyone... I don't know. I, I thought it was going to be crap, but it was really funny. It was really funny. And there was a therapy dog in it. Well, it was like an ugly chihuahua. A bung-eyed <laughs> therapy dog. But it was cute. It was really well made. Um. Anyways... um. Katie, you are the better half of. <laughs> I can still never say your surname. I know Vidakovic. you. Yeah. What's your maiden name? Mine, yeah. Lonigan. Lonigan. Did you ever like fight over the surname? Just we. Cause... I actually legally haven't changed my name. Yeah. No. Neither's Courtney. No. Because it's just so much effort. It, it isn't really, but it is to me. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's too much effort. I'm. I. I don't care if court changes it. I'm like. Yeah. I don't really believe in it and agree with it anyway. Well, you've got to, like, it costs money. Like, you've got to redo your passport. I don't have time for that. No. (laughs) No, you want to keep your passport. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, you are the better half of our gym member, Chris, who's been on the chat before, chatting about myotherapy and osteotherapy and things like that. So, it was a pretty boring episode. (laughs) (laughs) Just like any conversation with Christian. (laughs) Uh, yeah, for you guys that know Chris, um, I'm pretty sure when you heard that Chris's wife was going to get on, you knew we were going to probably talk some shit about him. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, nah, we know Chris is a lovely guy. He loves to chat. He can chat. He can chat. A lot. It's probably good that he doesn't drink alcohol anymore. 
No, that was, yeah. Because <laughs> he's chatting, like he still loves a chat, but it's reduced. When I used to drink as well, it didn't kind of register with me how much he did talk. And then I stopped drinking. I like I'll have like one or two mugs or whatever, but I stopped drinking and I was like, holy shit, man. <laughs> Bring it in. <laughs> But now, yeah, he hasn't drank for like a year and a half. Yeah. No. So. That's great. It's good. Has that been good for, I guess we all had probably had a few more extra drinks during lockdown. We got pretty good with the margs. Yeah. Yeah. We got really good with the margs. Um, I think for him it was, especially now he's back at uni, not struggling with three day old hangovers and. You know, when you get older, you can't really handle them that much. And he was finding that the drinking was, like, would cover up the anxiety, social anxiety. And he didn't realise how much that affected him. Mm -hmm. So, as soon as he did stop drinking, I think it levelled out, like, friendships and him being able to concentrate, and now we're fairly certain he's got ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he wouldn't be able to do his course that he's doing now. Yeah. If he was drinking, like, a lot, like, on the weekends, he'd have these big sessions, but he just studies so much that he wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. And now, like, he sort of subtly was bragging about the other week, being top of the class, actually top of the university with his uh, results. Golden key. Golden key, boy. 5% off at Subway. <laughs> you wouldn't be golden key, boy, if you uh, were drinking that often. No. Which is what good. What a wank, though, golden key. Yeah, he tried to explain what it was. It was this, yeah, you get this sort of golden key club. You had to pay for it as well. Yeah. But it recognises that you're sort of top of the school for your efforts and results and that. Yeah. Which is nice to know, but I don't think that he's quite figured out what the key <laughs> unlocks. No one does. It's like <laughs> Super Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for Bowser to come. Yeah, we have no idea. Basically, he can get scholarships to study all over the world. Oh, that's cool. Um, And I don't know that. Would you guys consider doing that? I'd love to, because one of them is in Milan. So you go for a month, oh. and they pay for his accommodation, So, and his travel there. Yeah. So I'd love to do that. But um, it would have been good if Tilly was still homeschooled, because would have been able to do that over there. It's only yeah. a month. doesn't matter. So um, another one's in Spain... Another one's in Canada. So, basically, he just applies and they send him oh. over to study. Look, now that golden key sounds totally worth it. <laughs> we actually to had it. to really look into it and be like, what is the golden key? But yeah. Yeah, when you read it, it's actually like I'm very proud of him. Like, top 10% of the university is a huge achievement, but... Yeah, he's never gotten anything less than a HD. Oh, he got a beyond HD one. <laughs> what even is that? I don't know. We don't have them at Deacon. <laughs> beyond HD. Yeah. So, no, he works really, really hard. Like, very, very hard. So, um, yeah, he's nearly finished his bachelor's and then he goes into his master's. So, what a nerd. Massive nerd. <laughs> I always knew he was smart. Yeah. But, yeah. Good on him. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. I love it though. Like, it's it's cool because you obviously know you guys and your family pretty well and your son Jackson's just finished school and he's going on to university as well. Like, yeah. and with everyone at, in that age finishing VCE, it can be scary. You feel like it's your whole life on what you choose to do very, like, right next. Mm. But with Chris, you know, going back to university and he's... 40s like shows it doesn't really matter like, no it's it's not everything and everyone builds up so much pressure and kids especially build up that pressure on themselves um it's hard not to i remember back then you sort of think all oh, this is like my entire future yeah 
when it's not. Well, I did industrial design when I went out. Yeah. I actually started it in year 12 because I was a massive nerd. Yeah. And um, I remember working in it for six months and going, I hate this. Yeah. And I'd spent, you know, since year seven all the way through, I'm so excited, I'm so excited. Hated it. Yeah. Absolutely hated it. So you don't know when you're that young. I think it's a good thing about what Jack chose to do. Yeah. Is he can go anywhere with it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's Jackson. <laughs> no, It'll be enough. interesting to see how yeah. it goes. Yeah, I think if you're unsure, yeah, a, a broader degree is a good way to go. Um, but anyway, that's enough talking about people like Chris and that. Like, <laughs> this is not Chris's podcast. He just messaged me. <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> be, How's it going? You're talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually are, and we need to stop right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's talk about you. Um, the reason we wanted to chat... Um, was well one because you're fun to chat to, um, but two, uh, you have bipolar disorder, bipolar one. Yeah. Um, there's two types of bipolar disorder. There's one in type one and type two. There's not a huge lot of differences there. It's just type two. Um, I think having bipolar one and being around people with bipolar two, like when I've been in hospital. Is you actually see the difference? Difference, yeah, yeah, and so, it's the manic stage, isn't it? It's quite yeah, and a bit different. Um, psychosis. Yeah, you don't have that with the second. Yeah, that I'm aware of. Yeah, to the extent that you get it with bipolar one. Yeah, um, but what I want to talk about is oh, a lot to do with just bipolar dis- bipolar disorder, but even just mental health stigma. Really, mm. um, bipolar disorder is definitely one of the most challenging mental health disorders out there that I don't feel like a lot of people know a lot about it like oh I didn't I remember I was told that I had it and like I was heartbroken like I thought oh that's it my life's over um I didn't actually myself know anything about it like you joke with people oh my god they got bipolar and then you you know what what I mean what even is that yeah like what are you even saying yeah so, it's, um, yeah, I think most people's understanding is like you're really up sometimes and then you're really down sometimes. Yeah. And that's about it of people's understanding, but it's so far beyond that. And I didn't know much more beyond that until starting my degree this year or last year. Yeah. <laughs> until I was doing a psychopathology unit to actually go, oh, okay, this is what it is. It's really intense. Um, yeah, so I had, I have bipolar one. But yeah, the only difference that I have seen is the psychosis is a lot different and I rapid cycle, so which you saw last year. Yeah. <laughs> I go from one extreme to the other and it can be in clicks. Like yeah. Within five minutes I'm one way and then the next five I'm the other and it, the medication couldn't control it so it just got absolutely blown out of the water whereas when like even last when I was in hospital not long ago there were people in there with bipolar 2 and just the experiences they've had totally different to what I've had but in saying that my psychiatrist has said I've had (laughs) I'm one of the most intense bipolar people (laughs) he's met um so yeah, very. I don't want to say it's more intense with the everything that comes with it, like the depression and the anxiety. That's all. Like I've met some very, very depressed people. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that's hard about it is, especially for me, is the flipping of the moods, and it's just totally uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can control it is. Literally with medication and switching your brain off. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot that yeah, people, we don't understand about it. And like every mental health disorder, they're all on sort of somewhat of a spectrum. Diagnosing is really hard. You know, there's a what's called the DSM um, manual, which is like the way you can sort of clinically, you know, describe people's conditions but it's all about fitting into certain categories and things which it works to some degree and it does help 
a lot of people, a lot of doctors and that sort of be able to categorize and then prescribe and that. But something like bipolar that has such extremes and can work in slightly different fashions and that is very hard. And I'd imagine it takes a long time for doctors and psychiatrists to even get it right pick up on it. and pick up on it and all these things. And, and then that makes it, I guess, hard for family as well and friends as well, not understanding what's going on. Yeah. Um, and then even the causes of it can be quite varied as well, whether it's biological, whether it's trauma, whether it's social things. Yeah. It can, it can be a range of different things and it can be triggered differently to different people, hey? Yeah. I um, got diagnosed nine years ago, um, but I was in psychosis for about six weeks. So I created a whole new world and believed that was my world I don't know a lot about what happened in those six weeks because I'm being sheltered for a reason so I don't think about it um but basically um yeah created a whole new world and was having a conversation with somebody on messenger and said I'm going to the toilet went to the toilet came like was halfway down my hallway and I snapped and went back to the conversation I was having and I was like, what are you talking about? And so in that brief moment, my mind snapped and I went into the horrible, horrible depression. Um, so that was that in itself was hard because what I'd created and everything, everyone else had become part of it. And then all of a sudden... You know, to tell people, well, I didn't, Christian had to tell people it wasn't real. So then it confused people, well, what is real about her? Because there were certain aspects of it that we used to call my superpower was there, but it was accelerated, like, massively. Um, And I wasn't particularly the nicest person, which is what happens with my bipolar especially when I'm manic, I've become not so much of a nice person. Some people have amazing mania and, you know, are really happy and, as you said, like, will do really random things. But mine is quite um, aggressive. And like I was saying the other day to you, like I clean the bathroom with a toothbrush. And Chris will just leave me alone because he's like, her house looks amazing. (laughs) (laughs) But it'll get to the stage where I don't blink. Mm. So it that was how I found out. I ended up um, being so depressed that um, they actually took me to Frankston and I went catatonic so I didn't talk. I was just staring at the wall. Then I snapped out of that and they basically said to me, either you go home and wait, there was this thing called something beds where they hunt for beds for you to go into um, hospital. And they go, well, you know, we'll wait and see when you can get one. And it was basically you're in Christian's care for 24 hours, seven days a week until we can get you into somewhere. And... When you literally, you know, you you hear people say they saved your life. No, he physically, like, saved my life. I was so bad. Um, And then, yeah, I got into a hospital and that's when I got... They thought I had split personality disorder, my GP. Mm -hmm. But when I got into hospital, explained, I don't remember, six weeks of my life. Like, I did random things, like, started smoking really heavily like a packet a day, mm. which is disgusting. <laughs> like imagine how much it would cost now, a week. Like what, it's yeah. 40, 40 $50 a packet? Like that's someone's wage. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's nine years ago. And I've had like little bouts of psychosis, but nothing. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. Do you know, if, if it's okay to ask, do you know what? led to this like what triggered it or you probably have identified some things um you don't have to share all of it that's fine my psychiatrist said 
like the first time I tried to take my own life, I was 14. Yeah. Um, then I kind of like built up and Chris says that he can even still see it now, like this fortress of just no one's coming in, you get too close to me, look out, <laughs> I'll rip your head off. Like I'd create, you can't come to a certain distance of me. Um, and life got pretty hard around then. Um, Chris was studying, I was working full-time, I was studying nursing. Um, we had the two kids, he was touring with a band, um, I think a lot of it, and I know he won't mind me saying this, was loneliness. I was alone all the time. And um, all of a sudden, I only needed like three, four hours sleep during random times. Like I could survive on two, three hours sleep. And he said that I'd start fights to the point where I would push him so bad and then I would cackle laughing. Mm. just to wind someone up like like I said there were things that I did you know that were quite mean to people um which isn't me but I can see going back my psychiatrist said as well there's things that I've told him he goes you're just not diagnosed like this has been going on for years but you've told me but it took them till 32 to figure it out until the psychosis happened, that it got diagnosed properly. The unfortunate thing about the medication was because I did have depression. I was on antidepressants, which... Boost dopamine. For someone who has (laughs) bipolar is the worst thing they can put you on. Yeah. It's an antidepressant. And the way that works, just to quickly pause that, is, yeah, if you have uh, antidepressant that boosts dopamine levels, but you've got bipolar disorder... Boosted dopamine levels can lead to psychosis, hallucinations, delusions, and things like that, which is how schizophrenia works, which is how uh, MDMA works, which is how mushrooms work. They all put you into this hallucinatory, delusional state because of the dopamine, and that's what happens. That's what's so hard about bipolar is you've got, like like it's called bipolar, you've got two ends of the spectrum, and treating one could send the other off the charts. Yeah, well, that's what happened last year, unfortunately. I think I was running on a lot of adrenaline, like my nan got really sick and I was very close to her and I kind of feel like I was in like, okay, go, we've got to do this, da-da-da-da. She died and I bottomed out. It wasn't, uh, um, of course I was upset that she died and things like that, but it yeah triggered me. And um, I couldn't get out and I got sicker and sicker and sicker and it got to the point again where I wanted to take my life and I had to, I actually learnt little tricks in hospital and one of them was to have a few photos and you keep them somewhere and you flick through the photos and you can have little notes in there and there were things that saved my life, like I would sit there look at them and it would say something like Tilly's wedding and I'd go okay and calm down I would like flicking through just that and there was one night I was going to do it I had my plan of how and something snapped like Chris might have rolled like rolled over or something and I just touched his skin and I went I can't do that to him Mm -hmm. and I walked down and I gave Coco a pat she didn't move because she's Coco and then went and touched both of the kids. And the next day I said to Christian, we've got to do something. This is really bad. Um, and unfortunately, because of COVID, we had to cut off our um, private health. So we had to wait 12 weeks, I think, for me to get into hospital. Because my psychiatrist couldn't control it. Nothing. We basically had to bomb me at home. And it was just, that didn't even work. It was just like putting a massive, you know, cotton wool. Mm. I was wrapped in cotton wool, but my head was still going. So I was just basically lying in bed because I couldn't get out of bed. Just keeping you safe until you could get to hospital pretty much. Yeah, because that was, 
I haven't felt like that and I haven't had a plan and haven't been so close to executing it like I had mm. then. And that's just because you were so low from it all, hey? Yeah. Well, they think that Nan um, passing away triggered it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was a very, very dark place. Very dark. Yeah. Um, if you don't have private cover, what happens? Nothing. <laughs> like what supports there? Um, there's the cat team yeah. who you can call and they'll come out and see you. I don't know what it's like now, but um, back when, before the first time I went to hospital, they came and saw me every day and monitored me. But um, there's a cat team, or you can go to a public hospital, but I think you're in there for like, it's not the most pleasant place to be. Um, when I was in hospital last year, there was somebody that had been in there. And I can't tell her story, but um, she said it was one of the scariest places she's been because you've got people who are in psychosis that don't know what they're doing, um, people who won't take their medicine and they've got schizophrenia. Like, So they've got, if they're not a positive way with their schizophrenia, it's scary. Mm. Um, just like someone with bipolar, <laughs> we can be quite scary. Um, so basically if... I always say to people, you know, if they are in that kind of thing, just get private health. Like, But in saying that, when I first went to hospital, that was one of the worst places I've been in my life. Yeah. It was that particular one, which is lucky with last time I was like, I'm only going if I go to Ballura. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So it's tough. The support out there is tough. Um, I wanted to ask you about like, yeah, definitely about stigma related stuff because as you know like it's a lot of work it's a lot of it's a lot of hard work for yourself mm. but then it's a lot of hard work for the people support the you. people around you whether it's the fact that they just don't know or understand the condition yeah and don't know how to deal with you yeah it's not really the right way to say it but that's the way probably a lot of people can feel probably sometimes yeah and yeah what What's that part Being of like. it like? Yeah. Um, I lost a lot of people in my life when that happened um, the first time because people were confused and took it the wrong way, didn't realise that it wasn't me. You know, I wasn't in control of my own mind. Um, I think for some people it was too hard. You know, I got put into the too hard basket Everyone has their life going on and things like that, but in that way it was heartbreaking of, oh, well, I don't know how to build the relationship back and because I was too hard, I feel like I didn't matter to a lot of people. Um, being as heavily medicated as I was um, for two and a half years, I was basically in and out of hospital and so medicated that I would drool and just be on the couch asleep constantly. And so in that way as well, well, how do you have a relationship with someone who, like right now I could be talking to you and then go, <laughs> I did, I used to fall asleep at the hairdressers, like she'd be doing my hair and I'd just fall asleep. Yeah. And... Um, I wasn't allowed to drive, things like that. Um, also, I think with people who try to understand it and people that really love me, I think they think that when, like, say, oh, um, I stopped taking that medication and I detoxed, they kind of would make fun of the fact that I was a certain way and... Um, I think that was their way of trying to become friends again and um, trying to say, oh, it's nice to have you back. But it would break my heart because they'd use, 
you know, the stigma of it against me because they thought, oh, you're better now. Mm. Let's make light of the situation. And it's funny, but it wasn't funny to me and it breaks my heart. And I am, like you've seen me, I've had a lot of people wouldn't even know I have bipolar. Yeah. So... A lot of people are pretty good at hiding it. I'm... You become a master. Yeah. Because you don't want to become a burden on people. Like, um, because you do not, you're not a burden, but you need help. And the help doesn't just come from medical people. It's, you need a village. And -hmm. if you don't have that village when you've got bipolar, I don't know how people do it. And they don't do it. I know... Um, I've only met three people in my life that have had bipolar one and they're all not here anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is a hard thing. It's a heartbreaking thing. Um, yeah, there is a big stigma. I think there's a stigma around any mental health. Yeah. It's, it's definitely slightly changing in the right direction. But I don't know, sometimes I feel like those, you know, mental health days and things like that. Well, it doesn't matter. Not that it doesn't matter, but every day is a mental health day for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, so definitely. So, just like shedding a light on it on one day and here's some cupcakes. <laughs> doesn't, you all you right? Know, You're all right? Cool, You're all right? Yeah. <laughs> Are you okay? I wrote it in the sand. Yeah. Like, that doesn't, like, um, I understand that's people's way of... Um, trying to say I care about you, I love you, but you can send me a small text at any other time just saying I'm thinking of you and I'll be like, oh, you are still there, especially when I'm down. I'll just get random messages from people who will notice, who will know me very well that I'm off and we'll send you a message. But, yeah, those days I think... I, not offensive, but there's 364 other days that yeah. you could ask, are you okay? Yeah. I think it's, yeah. And I feel like it's not really, uh, it is offensive and it's upsetting, but it, it's not really that person's fault either. I feel no, like it's just no, no. the lack of knowledge and understanding of, of it all. Yeah. And... Well, it's not their problem. No, it's not their problem. And and then to not really know what it's about and what's going on and that it is an everyday thing and it's a burden for yourself and it's a burden for the people around you and it's challenging and it mm. involves changing medications and having days where you have to just sit in bed and all these things. Like, it's a lot. It's it's a disability. Like, it's... Yeah, it is. That's a lot of people are like, oh, so what do you do for a living? I uh, live. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's hard. It's yeah. bloody hard work. Yeah, so I, I just hope that, and it should keep going that way, that greater understanding, that's the point of this today, is just, if someone can hear this and just go, oh, shit, that's what bipolar is. Yeah. And we think about it, like, you see it in the celebrity space, people love to make fun, like, oh, well, people sort of do the, let's look out for people with mental health issues and let's ask if you're okay and rah, rah, rah. And they go, fucking look at Kanye. That bloke is off his head. Yeah. Let's all laugh at him. And you're like... Whoa. But he's just... I would just say, like, if someone says it, I go, he just needs his medication. He like, just needs some help. Yeah. And it's like Britney. Everyone, like, watching her, you're like, either, you know, she's really, really happy that, you know, she's come out of this conservatorship, whatever, and now she's got a free life or... I know they were saying she's bipolar or whatever, but at the same time, they're not your friend. She's a pop star. Mm. She sings songs. Mm. She doesn't give a shit about what your opinion is and things like that. She might. But them being in that public forum and things like that and like the Kanye's, I feel like transfer onto me, Mm. like, Oh, you like that? Or I purposefully stay off social media when I'm not well because the shit that I would post or would say or whatever is in that moment is when my head is not okay. 
I could, like I said, I could snap five minutes later and I don't feel like that. But how many people have seen that post in Mm. that amount of time? And I feel like that's like him. He'll post something, five minutes later, it's not there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, if anyone notices, if anyone does follow along to someone like Kanye West or Britney Spears, they show up for a while and then they're gone for a while. Yeah. And then they show up for a while and then they're gone for a while. And people don't, a lot of people don't understand that that's probably him going through his stages between mania to depression or just being midway for a while. Yeah. But often, most of the time, that he's posting random shit or Britney's posting nudes on Instagram with little <laughs> stars and passion fruits on top of her nipples <laughs> is when they're probably in that manic stage and. They're amazing. Yeah. And, and, and I guess we can t- chat about that quickly because people don't understand mania. Yeah. It's a stage where, like, you have incredible thoughts and ideas uh, about... Your, you've, your superpowers come out. Well, for some people, their superpowers come out. For me, I go very, like I was saying before, aggressive. I become quite aggressive and start fights <laughs> with my husband. <laughs> but you have, often you think you're hot shit, like you've got this grandiosity as well, and mm. and that's classic Kanye West as well. And um, yeah, it's I couldn't imagine what it would be like to. It's for me when I am in mania, I have half thoughts. So I would start this sentence: "How good is coffee?" <laughs> like it would. Uh, it's all incomplete. And it's like fragment, like, you know, when you watch a, um old film and when the tape runs out at the end, that's what my head's like. So I can be halfway through doing something. Like, oh, no, I don't like you anymore. Let's go over here and play with this cat. Oh, you're allergic. Oh, it doesn't matter. I'll buy five of them. <laughs> and do you know, like, it's just totally random. Like, I will, you walk into my wardrobe when I've had a, Everything's colour-coordinated by shape and size. Like, it's crazy. All my handbags have been, you know, cleaned properly. My jewellery is all perfect. I clean my lipsticks. Like, random, random stuff. I used to be bad with money, which is why I don't know where the money is now. (laughs) (laughs) So if we did separate, I'd be in a lot of trouble (laughs) because I have no money. But we had to do that. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, no, you know, the woman needs to have money just in case something happens in the marriage. I can't. I can't have money. If you get manic, you're going to buy a flight to Europe or something. Oh, mate, like, (laughs) it's on. (laughs) But that's what happens. Yeah, and you say offensive shit. Like, last time I talked about Kanye West, he said some weird shit lately, (laughs) anti-Semitic stuff, just really offensive, horrible things. Yeah. And a lot of people... Look, usually people cancel everyone. Like, he hasn't been quite cancelled yet. I feel like there's, like, that little bit of understanding where some... Like, look, he's not well. He's not saying... But some people are like, you are an offensive asshole. Yeah. And you're like... Or you're the greatest of all time. Yeah. Or he's saying he's a genius. He's a genius. You're like, no, this bloke is ill. And he probably doesn't even know what he's saying. The way he thinks about what he's saying, it probably makes complete sense. But he has such a massive platform and the amount of likes he gets and comments he gets. Yeah. You're just feeding it. Yeah, you're just acknowledging. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I am great. How yeah. amazing am I? Like, But then he disappears yeah. for a while. Either Instagram blocks him or or he actually does. I reckon it's him bottoming out. Yeah. Usually with um, a mania comes depression. And the depression with bipolar is not a slight you know you slowly go into depression it's like no bang drop you into a well do you do you beat yourself up about the things you did when you were manic is that what is involved in the depression no no it's nothing yeah right it's nothing and that's the hard thing about it is um well this time it was triggered with um a passing in my family but as my psychiatrist said, there's no, you know how they say there's the five stages of grief. He goes, you don't just go through one, two, three, four, five. He goes, five can come up. Then you might get two. Then you might get four. 
And he goes, so you can't be hard on yourself in that way. And I actually am having grief counselling now. But, hang on, what did you say? <laughs> See, this is what happens <laughs> yeah, too. Is, yeah, yeah. Is... Yeah, I asked if, if the if the random shit that you did when you're manic, um, oh, I feel if, if there's regret when you're, or you've, you know, it, it fuels the depression a little bit where you sort of go, fucking hell, what did I just do? That was so stupid. I'm an idiot. Yeah, I, like I said, it's, we have a very, very good system in place for when I go like that. And it's lucky that I am... At home, a lot of the time, there are decisions that were made that I stopped my career because I couldn't do it anymore. But um, I am home and there's someone watching me because that's how bad my bipolar is. That he can see it in my eyes, it'll creep in. And he has this joke of, I'll just let her go so she can clean the kitchen. But I, like I said, I've become really, really aggressive. I'll start fights. Um, and then that is when I feel bad because I've hurt the person that I love the most in the world. And essentially he's like a punching bag. Not that I hit him. Mm. But then, yeah, I do feel really bad. And it's like a snap and I'm in tears. And he just goes, go take what you need to take. And like I said, it's like... There's a band-aid of drugs around my head and I take them and I go to sleep. But I feel very guilty about like the psychosis thing, but there's only really small fragments I remember or very small fragments that I remember in the last nine years of my life. There's two and a half years of my life I don't remember. So I have massive, massive guilt as a mother. My daughter said to me, Um, when I came home from hospital the first time that it was like there was a stranger in the house because I was a totally different person. She was four and she said it was like you, I didn't have a mum, you walked in and there was just this stranger in our house. So I have very, very deep guilt for the three of them. I know that it did um, manifest itself with Jackson a few years ago. Um... And it still upsets him now. I have massive guilt over the fact it's hereditary. I'm petrified. I live with that every day. Like, And maybe that is the reason that I baby them so much. Yeah, you're trying to protect them from it. I'm so scared that one of them will have it. Because it is a hereditary thing. Um, that, oh, are you just depressed or is this happening now? Like, I know it's a older in the teens thing and... Um, 20s thing but people are like kids get it no they don't kids don't get it but um in that way I'm hate what I've done in that time the most yep um and it's really I was saying to you the hardest thing was with Facebook memories like times will come up and I'm like I don't remember that and what the hell do you mean like the if I reposted the things that I wrote back then, they're funny because you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> or like I'll text people when I'm like that and I go back and read them and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like I can laugh about it because if it is with people that I know really well, they know not to take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know like your friendship with Court is really good. Um Probably because Court never gets offended by anything that you'll say. No. Or, or, or she's very understanding, like, especially when you're in hospital, you guys would message quite a bit and she's, one day she'd be like, I think Katie's forgotten the last few days. She's <laughs> like, because she can't, like, she's, she doesn't, like, she's talking about something totally different now. Like, she doesn't mm. remember what we're talking about. But she's like, that's fine. That's fine. But I don't remember... Um like we were talking about it the other day, you guys coming to visit me, I just remember pasta. <laughs> like, it's weird. I don't... Yeah. It didn't feel like I was in there for that long. But yep. all of a sudden, like I said, I just snapped and the drugs had kicked in and it became counterintuitive me actually being in there. Yeah. Um. So, 
I think the people I'm friends with, I have a very small, close group of friends. Ones that I can say, they don't bring extra stress yep. into my life because I can't handle it. And I have to have an element of control in my life for me to function. Like my day is very, yeah. I have to know what we're doing tomorrow. Um, and that's a hard thing when the bipolar does kick in. I don't have control. And that's when it's scary and you're like, how far am I going to go this time? I said to Chris, it's like there's this little voice in the back of my head going, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. But I can't. Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. There's a lot of um, like, so like you said, having routines and stuff, there's a lot of pre- preventative stuff or protective stuff you have in place now, hey. Mm. So, obviously medication, getting that right is one. Yeah. Um, that tight circle yeah is important and being very strict on that i guess would be important too yeah yeah i've got i'm very very lucky that i'm really close with my mother-in-law i pretty much tell her everything and like sometimes things christian i haven't even talked to him about first and um my friend, another friend I have who's quite significantly younger than me but so mature in her <laughs> age that I can tell her anything. I tell Court everything. Um, Christian, my sister-in-law, my sister, I'll tell things. But, oh, my mum. But um, I have a very tight... And it's also because I don't remember a lot sometimes and I know that if I'm upset, I can tell them things and they're not going to go to me, yeah, but do you remember when you said... Because sometimes I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. And if they realise that, they go, it's cool. Yeah. Like, it's cool that you forgot it, don't worry. Yeah. If you need me catch you up, I'll catch yeah. you up. No judgement. Yeah. Yeah, move forward. Yeah. Whereas some people will be like, what do you mean you don't remember this? Yeah, and yeah. can get offended. Yeah. And if they realise that it's not my intention or I don't want to say it's not my fault, but it is a result of having bipolar. You have to put a lot of trust in people, don't you? Yeah, a lot. Um, And I think that goes back to as well when we were talking about people in your relationships when you have it and people understanding. Um, I have to protect myself and I have to protect my family. You know, there's, um, with Jackson and Tilly at school, I said, don't tell people that I have bipolar. And then I'm like, well, it kind of goes against everything that I'm about. Like, if anyone asks me, I'll talk to them to a certain degree about things. But I don't want it for them to be hard socially, like, mm, yeah. his mum's got bipolar. You yeah. know, because it is like that. Like, kids are little assholes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you don't want them to think it's a shame thing, though. Yeah. You don't want to be like, don't tell everyone because I'm ashamed. Because you're not yeah. ashamed. No. But it's hard to kind of relay that to your kids. That yeah. That's, that's not the reason I want you to tell it. I just don't want you to tell them because it's a whole thing. Yeah, it's not <laughs> just... Yeah. And I th- I've got a very big thing, too, of in regards to anyone now is it's my story. It's my story to tell. Someone else could have something that's happened to them or is going on in their life. And I'll say, I don't know. It's not my story to tell because it's not. Mm. Um, Yeah. That's the part that I find it's people when they push and push and push. Oh, it's very hard to say, leave me alone. And, I find that that was what happened with that wall that I used to have up for all of those years was I didn't let anyone in. And Christian will tell you <laughs> that he was convinced when he met me I was manic. Yeah. Um, and he'd say you were very infectious to be around. But um, it is hard, especially with, yeah, putting guard up and things like that and telling people things and then finding out someone else knows it and you're like I didn't want them to know that yeah and that can be very hard and it can break your heart as well yeah 
and it would be yeah, like I tell everything to one person, and that's yeah. court. Yeah, I don't tell anyone else everything. Like I share, I do share things, and I'm vulnerable with people because I think it is important and it builds trust and stuff between people and that. But I share what I think people deserve to sort of know from me. Yeah. But with you and with this condition, you almost have to, for for, for your own health and safety, you have to trust more people and share more with a bigger circle to help look after yourself and your family. Yeah. And that's hard. It's I, very hard. I can't imagine sharing everything with more than court. Yeah. And I don't have a mental health condition. So, like, I think I was while you were talking, I was thinking about this. Like, as hard as your bipolar is and all these things that happen and stuff, like, it's going to be imperfect. It's never going to be perfect. You're never, you're never going to have a, like, quotation, perfect life. Mm. But as far as bipolar goes and the outcomes a lot of people have, mm. I feel like your bipolar story is like a fucking massive success story it's not easy no like for anyone that thinks or i might make it feel or make it come across as it's okay that's like we said before i'm very good at acting like i'm okay Mm. um when a lot of the time (laughs) i'm not um but i've worked so hard for to be where I am. Yeah. And I've fought a lot to get here where I am. And it's not easy. No. And that's what I said. I feel sorry for people. Not sorry because that's a cop out of a word. I feel for people who have it and schizophrenia because they're kind of... Very similar. Yeah. That if you don't have anyone... Fuck. You're the, fucked. The amount of people with schizophrenia that end up homeless is... It's like the highest percentage of someone that's homeless and they have a health disorder, a mental mm. health disorder. Schizophrenia is the one. Yeah. Because it's so hard. Yeah. And yeah, the way, I don't know if, yeah, the way I mean as a success story is you've got incredible supports around you. You've got this layer of friends around you. Mm. You've got the ability to know when shit's hit the fan that it's time to just nick off to the hospital mm. there's because a lot of people i imagine will be like no no i'm fine let's just ride this out for a little bit longer i'm fine mm. i'm fine i'm fine and then next Bang. minute you're in huge trouble yeah um no it's it's been very hard i'm lucky in some way that my husband is a nerd so yeah. anything and he probably knows more about bipolar than i do um he's read every book watched every tiktok about it <laughs> with him and his TikTok. That's an imp- important place to get information oh, from. <laughs> him and the TikTok. Always on TikTok. TikTok, I imagine, for things like health conditions, and I actually read a paper about this, about like using social media like TikTok for mental health-related information sharing. Mm. If it's done the right way, it's a really good platform. Yeah. Especially if it's, you know, one is people sharing their experiences with it. Um it's a really good way to help people understand by sharing yeah. experiences as long as it's done in a safe way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's actually as much as I fucking hate TikTok because it's so dangerous. There is a side to it where it's like, this could be so useful and useful powerful. Useful to people. Yeah. yeah. But in the same way, when you are um, manic or depressed, you're going to put across things that like I always say to Jack, whatever you put out there is there forever. And I can feel one way one moment and feel another way totally the next moment. Do I want that out there? Mm. And also it's not real. It's made up in my head. It's not what you're doing right now. It's just in my head that this is happening. So I feel like it can be dangerous if you are manic or you are depressed because you feel like the Kanye going back to that, you're feeding off people and people are commenting and da, 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 da. It's like a circle. They're not all nice comments and it can just take one person to do one thing 
mm. or say one thing and you're out, you know. It could just be that one moment of time that you were down in the pits and someone says something and... Yeah, I, I do really fear for his life um, and just hope that he has good supports around him. Mm. I, f- I feel like he doesn't. Um, no. There must be people. There'll be a lot of people there that would care about him. Like even his even his ex wife Kim would care about him. Mm. But there's only so much that I feel like someone like okay, like I don't know their life, mm. but yeah, I do worry that he doesn't have. The well, so- people make money off him. Yeah. He's a money making machine. He doesn't have the support that you've got. No. no. Which is so silly to think he's like one of the wealthiest men and the most popular, well-known people of the last 20 years. Mm. And I don't reckon he's got your support. Lucky in a way that I have probably one of the luckiest things I have is amazing psychiatrist, which I feel like with someone like Kanye, they'd just be yes people. Yeah. Because you're so quick to go, no, out. Yeah, he'd just ship you off. I like what this psychiatrist said. Yeah. Get a new one. Yeah. And I feel like that would be what his life is. Well, I'm manic and I don't care what you say, so fuck off. Yeah. You know, because he can. Someone else is going to come in and kiss his ass. Your best friend. Yeah, they're best friends. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, people always like idolize and envy these people, but I do feel for those people as well. Yeah. It would be, yeah. I remember reading some sort of book about Britney as well. And it was a, actually it was a weird book. It was a book about the, in the, in the noughties, in the 2000s, there was this pickup artist craze in, in LA. And it was this guy who was a journalist and he got sucked into this world. Mm. And it was all about pickup, pickup artistry and, um, but along the way, he interviewed Britney Spears yeah. before she sort of went off the rails. Mm. And he was explaining how she was so insecure and fed off people's uh, opinions and thoughts. Like, she got pulled into this industry mm. and no one was there to help her. It was just like, here's this money-making machine. Mm. Who cares if she's only 16 or whatever? Let's just suck her from everything she's got. Mm. And people, yeah, sort of wish they have that kind of life maybe pre everything going sour mm. maybe not maybe people still wish they were Britney Spears but I feel fucking sorry for those people just because they had a lot of money doesn't, doesn't mean, mean that their life okay. no nah, doesn't mean anything yeah it's um yeah a little scary a little sad well I, I always say that I would not wish this on my worst enemy mm. it's I think the hard thing too is no one can see it like, it's not like you have a broken arm or a broken leg or, you know, you look physically ill or whatever. It's like if I'm just sitting on a bench, you wouldn't walk past and go, how's your mental health today? Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. like that. Yeah. And I've gotten very good at hiding it. But it's... um. You shouldn't have to. No. no. It's like people that have, um, like our daughter's got, autism and she masks and it's a similar kind of thing and then you just bomb out and you're tired and you're like gotta go yeah yeah if there was greater understanding that would be good yeah um okay last thing i want to ask you Mm -hmm. um thanks so much for sharing all this This has been so unreal like it's a lot to share yeah Um, that's all right i'm not like i said i'm not embarrassed of it no. I wish that more people knew what it's like. Yeah. There's a lot of people actually, when I do tell them, will have someone they're related to or a friend or whatever and they don't get it. Or they'll say, does this happen to you too? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not ashamed of it. And I think talking about it is something that needs to happen because it'd actually be, especially bipolar too, surprised how many people have bipolar too. Yeah, yeah. Which is um, just less intense manic states and shorter periods. Mm. Usually that's what that means. Is yeah. Still have deep depression, but your manic is not as full on and 
doesn't yeah. last for as long. That's yeah. what type two is. You've got a shorter superpower time. Yeah, not as much superpower. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to ask, like, what do you sort of hope or want to do in the future? Obviously, you know that it's bipolar for life. Mm. What do you sort of hope in a positive way for beyond now? I'd love to... I was talking to Chris about it, is study, um, and he agreed something to do with this and helping people understand, but having the right tools to be able to help people without pushing my, um, how I've gotten through things and how things are better for me, because everybody is different, but, um, Maybe working with younger people, I think. Like, I did nursing. I can't be a nurse now. Um, you know, there's days I can't get out of bed. There's reasons I can't have a job. Is I'd get fired. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Oh. <laughs> I'm manic today. No, <laughs> they'd love me when I was manic because a year's worth of work would get done in a day. Yeah. But then the next day, sorry. I'm depressed again and I've eaten 5,000 redskins <laughs> last night. It just doesn't work. Um, but I would like to do something where, especially with kids, especially with what we've been going through and in our own home, something to help kids. Yeah with mental health and educating because I think the younger that it starts and we're educating obviously to what is appropriate for young kids to know. Yep. I think it needs to start earlier and once that does happen, they're not so, it's not so stigmatized. Yeah. They just go, look, this is, I'm not feeling very well. And you know, they'll be, Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll rally around you. And my kids are like that. I've yeah. instilled that in them and I think if all kids are kind of given a little education about it, you teach them everything else. Yeah. This is everywhere. Why not teach them about this to a certain extent? Yeah, just enough to know that someone needs a bit of help and let's let's not segregate them and make them feel like they're nutters. Yeah. Which is what we probably went with through in high school. That kid's fucking weird. Well, let's that's... fucking yeah. bully that kid and push him into the outer where, yeah, helping all kids understand that... Yeah, there's no true normal. It's yeah, and it yeah, it's good to be, you know, yourself. And I feel like that that's the problem is there are these, you know, amazing kids that have these amazing, you know, superpowers or whatever, and they're honed in on because they're a bit different. And depression starts very early. Yeah, and things like that, especially now since COVID. Yeah. Um, but just helping younger kids. Yeah, that would be finding great. a way, a little niche. Yeah, your um, your daughter Tilly, she's like probably one of the most amazing kids I've ever known. Yeah, and um, if she didn't have autism, like yeah. I'd be scared to know who she is without autism. Like I think, <laughs> like her identity is in this autism, and I think that's what makes her so like special and amazing. Yeah. Like her ability to draw. Just like at a elite level, her ability to write poems and stuff like I've never yeah. heard in my life. But even just like the person she is, the empathy she has, and the yeah, all of that, her quirkiness, like yeah, she wouldn't be her probably without having autism. Yeah, and I don't think I would like the other version. Like no, and it, for for like what you're thinking, like to have kids know that whatever you are, like it's okay, it's awesome, it's great. Yeah. We wouldn't want you any other way. Is, yeah. Would be unreal. Yeah. And I think we need kids as well that don't aren't scared for sticking up for kids that are being bullied for being different and things like that. So I know it happens with when they get older, when they're in VCE, they have people that come around and talk about this kind of stuff, but it needs to start earlier. As I said, not in such an intense way, but a little bit of education, even with autism and things like that. I'm yeah. Not, um, you know, people are, everyone is different. Yeah, absolutely. 
embracing that is is better than having everyone try to fit in the same box and be the same. Well, that's Tilly. She's a circle that doesn't fit into a square. Yeah. So. Wouldn't have her any different. No, she's like. Fucking legend. Amazing. <laughs> she Yeah, she's incredible, the things that she can do. But that has come with um, being bullied and things like that. So that's taken us a long, treacherous road. Yeah. To make her see that, no, you are amazing. And it's not your fault that people saw you like that. Yeah. But um, back to school. So I'm not a teacher anymore. Yeah. <laughs> There's my career gone. It's a good year. <laughs> good on you. Um, that'll do. That's yeah. plenty. Thanks so much. That's, yeah, fucking very, I feel very privileged to be able to just sit here and like, listen to you chat about this sort of stuff. And I really hope that it helps people, whether it's people just get a better understanding of not just bipolar, but all mental health disorders, understanding mm. that they're all different, they all present in different ways and they're not all seeable and understandable. And, you know, if you start being an arsehole to people, it's probably not you. It's probably more something that's going on. <laughs> yeah. So Give you've... people a break a little bit and understand, just show empathy and care and that for people and things will, yeah, be better yeah. for everybody. Yeah, you never know what someone's going through. So sometimes it's better just to say I'm here if you need me yeah and that's enough sometimes. and that's it yeah just to know that people care yeah yeah amazing thank you thank you let's get out of here <laughs> yeah <laughs> bye this podcast was recorded on Boon country I would like to acknowledge the Boon people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners on which this podcast is recorded and extend my respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples past and present Thank you very much for listening to the Valar Fitness Nutrition Mind podcast. My name is Stuart Cunningham. If you enjoyed the episode, please send us a like, send us a comment, share it with a mate, give us a rating on the iTunes or whatever you're listening to this on. Every little bit of support helps. Looking forward to bringing you some more stuff next week. This is-